everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we will be talking about next Sunday night's big show, celebrating the year of 2021 in film. Because that's right, we're going to talk about the 94th Academy Awards Ceremony. Or as uh, I mentioned a second ago, the big game, the Super Bowl. With, although, uh, hashtag uh, TM, uh, can't, you can't say Super Bowl in media, apparently. So, uh, yes, it is the big night for film fans who watch films throughout the year and watch the Academy make the selections about what films they thought were the best. And for all of us uh, plebeians down here who just enjoy watching movies, we get to do the fun thing of anticipating and guessing, ooh, what are they going to pick? And what are the big moments going to be? It is very exciting. And we can't have an Oscars prediction show without our co-host here, LaRon Chapman, award-winning filmmaker here in Oklahoma. Welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you for having me. As you said, this is like kind of like the culmination of my whole year. I kind of check off every movie I see, kind of review every film I see, just so we can have this conversation about how badly or how well the Oscars um, messed up or got it all right. Not only are you watching all the films, you're watching the way the Academy and Hollywood talks about the films, specific, more specifically through the Guild Awards, uh, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, so it's like three or four layers of paying attention to, okay, what's going on? What's... What came out? What's good? What are people saying is good? And what are they in the mood to pick this year? Yeah. So all those things make for a really fun time. Many of you are, are hopefully are watching the show, playing to watch this show. You may have uh, a bingo card, so to speak, because uh, it's always lots of fun to <laughs> see exactly what's going to happen. And Laurent, I, again, thank you again for coming back. I know you're on the show very, very frequently, but uh, you and I have been doing this specific show every year for the last four years. Yeah. So I, I think at four years, we can say it's a tradition. Yeah, it's a, tra a growing tradition for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, listeners, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And again, we're going to provide you all the tips you need to have a successful Oscars bingo card uh, or prediction sheet come this Sunday. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, please remember to rate and review the podcast or subscribe on your preferred podcast app. This is most relevant specifically on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're leaving us that rating will help us get discovered by more listeners just like you. So we're going to start things before we really dive into the individual awards by doing a few different icebreaker questions. And, and, and here's the thing I want to highlight is, let's all be honest. The Academy has been struggling for at least a decade to figure out how to stay relevant in the, the mind of casual film goers or just general audiences. And the sad reality is they have failed miserably about every step of the way. And I'm actually more leaning into this is okay. It's okay. This is a niche thing now. And yeah. this is just what it is. You know, uh, a thing for film fans, like really diehard film fans who really like to follow uh, and keep their fingers on the pulse of Hollywood and then the Academy themselves. I don't think there's going to be too many times where it's like that sort of monolithic watching experience. Like maybe it was 20 or 30 years ago where, wow, the Nate, like the Super Bowl, the nation is watching. I think those days are long gone with that in mind though, as the Academy really struggles to figure out how to attract more viewers every year, they're shaking things up, whether it's the nominations, whether it's the programming, whether it's the hosts. So we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about those things that they are shaking up this year and whether that we think they'll work or not work. And I just want to start, Laron, with an overall uh, reaction to this year's nominations. What did you think of the nominations as a whole this year at the Oscars? 
as a whole, I was I was I was mostly pleased with them um, on a broader scale. Not, I mean, it's, it seems like every year there's going to be a couple of films that I just think were just underrated, but that's every year I feel like. Um, but I think on a broad scale, I was really happy to see the scope of diversity that was on display. Um, from the acting nominations to the, you know, some of the director nominations, um, just the inclusion, of course, of the, that intersection of, of, of race, gender, uh, different orientations, just kind of very widespread kind of um, seen here um, on display. So I was happy to see that from a cultural standpoint, which I think the Oscars has always kind of, you know, been a huge platform for, but um, but sometimes kind of miss the mark in terms of like, you know, making it making it look more like the world we're seeing. Um, you know, you have a couple of nods every once in a while to throw a bone. You get a moonlight win. You get a, you know, a get out, you know, a get out, a get out a screenplay win. But um, here it was like you could see it, you know, and, and basically every category here um, is represented in some way. So I was very happy on that aspect about it. Right. And I think the thing that's really interesting, you mentioned that uh, naysayers will say, ah, forcing this diversity on us. And I really feel like that's just not the case, especially this year. I think they've, it's, it's trended really well. There aren't too many films where you're like, well, they just threw that in there to get some diversity. Like maybe like 15 years ago, you might have seen film like the, the sort of reaction. I mean, but we've got, I mean, uh, international films like Drive My Car that are in the Best Picture race. Uh, I mean, really, we got Jane Campion uh, as a woman, Best Woman Director, along with the director of, of Drive My Car. It really does seem like every category, they took a lot of things into consideration. And if you look at those lists, you're like, yeah, those were some of the best performances or films or editing like this year. Um, so so I definitely resonate with you. I mean, was there any snubs or anything specifically that stick out to you? Um, yeah, I really would have liked to have seen people like Ruth Nega in passing. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to see Lady Gaga's name on there. I don't know if she was my um, in my top five to be nominated, but she's definitely one of the ones I expected to be here that wasn't here. So that did feel like the most notable snub. Um, and then... Uh, not seeing certain certain people on here, like Katrina Balfe or Belfast, that was something that was kind of projected up to this point. Um, but for the most part, the people that I wanted to see, there were a couple surprises in categories um, I, were there. And then some people that I didn't think would it, it had a shot in hell to be on there were, that were there. So, you know, there was a little give and take. It was like, take there were some surprises that I'm like, oh, welcome surprises. And then a couple of, you know, oh, okay, we didn't go that route. Cool, whatever, you know, so, so yeah. Yeah, no, I'm 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 royal on the same page as you here because on one hand, are there some snubs? Here's a few like light snubs, ones that I'm not like upset about, but I'm like, yeah, here's what I expected, or maybe you know it'd have been nice. Uh, of course, more for Licorice Pizza with Elena Haim or Bradley Cooper in the acting roles. Uh, honestly, the biggest snub for me was Denis Villeneuve's director, best director. Um, I yeah. think though, 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 he's got Doom Part Two coming, and it, we could have a Return of the King effect where. Uh, Doom Part Two sweeps everything, you know, as a celebration of the two films. Uh, I also would have liked to have seen Ben Affleck specifically for The Last Duel. A lot of people said The Tinder Bar, which is not a bad film, but The Last Duel, I was, uh, I enjoyed that performance a lot more. Um, the Green Knight was totally MIA. Now, I know it's not necessarily the Academy type movie. But I do feel like, especially maybe uh, some of the sound or the score cinematography. or cinematography, yeah, or even production design, I was sort of hoping it would it would show up there. And this one is a personal one. I I would have loved, you know, the Academy's all about award rewarding people for uh, 
careers, not necessarily specific films. We'll talk about that with some nominations here later. But uh, Daniel Craig as Bond, I don't think he should have won, but I, I, there was part of me that would have been like, it would have been cool Yeah, uh, giving him a nomination or something. A send-off. Uh, a send-off of some sort. Because uh, I do think he really changed how we think about that character, especially like you know in the whole body of the James Bond franchise. He really made us rethink James Bond and his role in our sort of pop culture. So it would have been nice. But... All of that said, those are really nitpicks because there were a lot of surprises here. Again, I, I can't get over how uh, Drive My Car got uh, a couple of really, I mean, like Best Director and Best Picture was not expecting that to, to occur at all. Um, also, The Worst Person in the World got a lot of love I wasn't expecting. So yeah, give and take, right? Like yeah. it's, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be 100%. Uh, but I think overall this year is probably one of the better years of the last decade where I look at it and I say, you know what? These are all really solid. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Although for some sure. people not super happy about uh, Don't Look Up and Best Picture. <laughs> I, I would be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, pass the snubs now, though. Uh, there was a, you could say it was um, a little bit of a controversial decision was made recently that not all categories would be airing live during the telecast ceremony. So I think the idea is the Academy is going to take eight of the awards, which include Best Documentary, Short Subject, Best Film Editing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Short Film Animated, Best Short Film Live Action, and Best Sound. All of these will actually be presented in the theater the hour before the broadcast starts. And then I, my understanding is they will show us segments of those wins throughout the telecast. So it's controversial because not everyone gets kind of their quote unquote live moment, but uh, silver lining is maybe they don't get played off the stage as often occurs for, especially uh, for these more technical or, or like less prestigious awards. Uh, Laurent, what's your take on this new approach to streamline the live show? You know, I, I, I understand it. I, I, I get that they're trying to, again, like make, make the shows always over long. It always goes over long. And that's always been an issue with it. Um, I feel like, from a filmmaker standpoint, that's a little gut wrenching for me because I feel like if I if that was the you know the the trade or the the skill set that I had and you know my moment kind of feels you know like you know kind of I'm robbed of that that special moment to see it with the audience to have the moment of shock all the nerves whatever it is it's like it's a part of it you know and so I feel like this year you know just because of you know a technicality or because they're trying to you know try something new with the time the run length. It feels like that's kind of the wrong way to go about it. I don't know what the right way to go about it is. Like, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things where, like, there's so many categories. Maybe if we kind of like what they did with sound and editing, how they kind of combined some certain things, that's one way I think you can do it. Um, but I feel like, yeah, for sure, robbing people of that moment for them just so that in the sake of, you know, brevity feels like, you know, like it just discredits the work that they did in, to some degree. So... Yeah, it's it's really tough. And I read again, I'm sure this is a multifaceted issue or challenge or conversation, but I read that the, the Academy was actually pressured by the network ABC to remove the categories or they refused would refuse to air the entire ceremony, um, which is a little bit of a bummer, because like you said, this is for a lot of these people. Uh, this is like the career highlight, right? They, they're going to sure. get up there and have a chance to win. On the other hand, it really they've they've struggled for years to figure out how to get the runtime down. And as I said before, the Academy Awards just do not have the clout 
with the mainstream like they used to, meaning they have less leverage to go long. And this is just sort of, I think, a, a necessary evolution of the show. It's just a real shame that it's coming at the cost of the awards. Uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of uh, the video game awards, which I'll get to in just a second, actually, because um, they do a similar thing where they literally read off a list of awards and then go to the next thing. But, um, well, yeah, again, so it's sort of like the, the same thing with the winners or the nominees. Hey, yeah. give and take some some positives, some negatives. It, the biggest loss is the, the moment that those those filmmakers yeah. will have uh, in front of the whole world. And maybe like giving a different opportunity, like in this sense that um, they just they were told this what a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, like I mean, like because I'm sure they're anticipating it up to this point, and then to hear that would be kind of gut wrenching. So it's like, you know, if that was the route they were going to go, then maybe that they should have come with up with a plan that probably, you know, what I mean, like appealed to all all parties, you know, if that makes sense. But I understand the pressure from the studio. I mean, that, that you can't really argue with that. It's just I wish the studio was a little more gracious in that way. Thanks, Di- thanks, th- thanks, Disney. They, thanks, they, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like movies. Get off our stage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So another topic here, though, that's that's discussed pretty much every year is will there be a host, and if so, who should it be? Well, this year uh, the Academy has recruited Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. They were all announced to be the host. Uh, and there will, of course, be many, many other celebrity presenters who will be contributing as well. And this comes off of last year where there was not a clear-cut host. Where it just, the, the show sort of just ran itself, and it was mul- multiple people who were kind of pushing the show along. Uh, so, uh, Lorana, I just want to get your take here. I mean, is this an exciting selection from your perspective for host? You know, I like all these women um, in their own in their own ways. I think that, you know, like... Wanda Sykes kind of re, you know represents a bygone area of, of comedy for for uh, female um, comedians and uh, Regina Hall is kind of like the more new age and then Amy Schumer is kind of a fringe like like raunchy kind of you know so they're it's just like they're representing different different areas you know I don't know if um you know I think they're that will broaden some of the appeal depending on definitely touching on dim, different demographics. Um, exciting. I don't know if it's exciting. You know, I like them. I like all these women. So I think I'm sure they'll do fine. I'm sure they'll be, they'll, they'll, they'll be humorous, but I think that it's not exactly like groundbreaking in any way. Um, I think it's kind of, they're trying to just find a way to go back to the more traditional host setting and seeing how that fares. Cause I actually liked la- the last year's, you know, <laughs> by the, by the seat of our, you know, whatever to watch everybody just kind of shuffling in and out because it made it more exciting because you didn't know what to expect or who was going to speak next or wherever they were going to go with the ceremony. This, I kind of feel like is a little predictable, but not necessarily like it won't be entertaining, you know? So yeah, last year's show was very raw. And what I mean is there were so many times where I was like, wait, what is going on? This person said, what? Uh, Daniel Kalula last year in particular was like, uh, which again, I personally find pretty fun. It shakes up and makes it more interesting, but um, maybe it was a little too, uh, Maybe a little too uh, free of restraint constraints sure. uh, for the for the academy. Um, you know, I I do like the idea of a host. People who listen to this show every year hear me talk about it. I like the idea of a host. Getting the right person who can make everyone happy though impossible. If their name's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it's impossible. And yeah. he's already said he doesn't want to do it. So I'm sorry. Like it's just um, I think this is a good safe choice. I like that it's three people instead of one or two. Personally, uh, and this is just because I really like murders, uh, only murders in the building. I actually thought Martin Short and Steve Martin would have made a good combo. Safe appeals to, uh, and maybe even you could throw in, um, 
Oh, what's her name in there too? Uh, you know, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So you throw in the three of them, it, it's, it kind of covers the age demographics. Uh, that could have been fun, but you know, otherwise, I think you're right. Safe, predictable, inoffensive. Yeah, Amy Schumer might make some good jokes, but right, I don't, not <laughs> right, too much. Yeah, she did say in her uh, interview doing leading up to it that my um, publicist, all these people came up to me. She's like, so legally, you can't say half of these. And so I'm saying the ones that I can say legally that are still offensive. <laughs> so look forward to that. <laughs> so. I still think she's going to throw a wild card in there, too. So oh, yeah. yeah. She doesn't mind being fined for the for the fame. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so last thing I want to touch on here is the Academy is, as I mentioned before, shaking it up every year. And this year, they are rolling out the Oscars Fan favorite opportunity, which allowed viewers to participate via Twitter, where they could use that hashtag and shout out the movie they wanted to see uh, when, I guess it was their favorite film of the year. I have a lot of opinions about this, <laughs> but I just want to start, Laron. What do you okay? What do you think about this? Is this a positive direction for the show? Do you think this is really going to bring in all the Spidey uh, webheads to, to show up and watch the Oscars? No. Um... I, I I honestly kind of hate this development. Um, I, I I understand again. It's like all these changes that we're talking about. I get it. They're trying to the Oscars have been to be just put it frankly, full transparency. Like the the ratings have not been good, and they're going down every year. So they're trying to find a way to bring in that stitch together that audience again because there is like you said, it's become very niche now for people who just genuinely love the love film and want to come in like you and I. You know, after spending years of I mean the year watching movies trying to see how everything fares up, you know, but I think with this development, it's just, it just seems so obvious and such a like, you know, like you have award shows that cater towards certain demographics. You got your people's choice awards. You got your MTV movie awards. That is the space for films like where people can chime in and do that sort of thing. The Oscars has this kind of prestigious, you know, I mean, I don't want to say elitist, but you know, it has that, that aura prestige, prestige. Exactly. And so, um, taking this and inserting it just kind of feels pigeonholed to me because then again, if something like, again, Spider-Man, not hating on the film, but like if something like that wins, you know, whatever, and they announce this during this, it just doesn't, it feels like it goes against like this, not what this ceremony was ever for. Like that kind of fan service sort of thing exists, already already exists at different award shows. This one is very spe- specific to a specific demographic. And so um, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't, I'm not going to like, you know, if that's something they want to continue doing, I'm not going to like pull my hair out about it. But, you know, I did vote and so I could participate. So, I mean, reluctantly, but I definitely picked a prestige movie and not a commercial movie. So, do you think Spider Man's got this one in the bag? Because I know there was actually some movements online trying to get other films to win. You, you know, the last time I saw it, I heard that Cinderella was yep. the one that was leading in the rate, the pack. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like where it's like that kind of like those kind of movies don't need recognition. They did well this year. And the Oscars has always kind of been a platform for the underseen, underrepresented movie. And so I feel like this is unnecessary for this particular ceremony. Well, well th- th- they're, they're, reward their award was the insane amounts of money they won spider-man no way uh, no way home its award was ma- being like i think the fifth or sixth highest grossing movie of all time i right. mean pretty prestigious i will say there is part of me that really loves it when we get a big mainstreamer that comes in and does well lord of the rings return of the king i mean all three of the lord of the rings but return of the king of course having a sweep that year uh you had titanic uh i mean even avatar when he you know get nominated in a bunch of categories and win a lot of them. But, you know, whenever there are, I like to see 
mainstream hits in there mixed in with these really small films and these international films. That's what makes the Oscars great is they're picking the best films. Harsh reality for a lot of people who only go out and see blockbusters, though, is blockbusters are not pushing the envelope. They are, yeah. as generally speaking, very safe across the board. And they're and that's their that's what they do. They're comfort yes. food, and that's exactly there's a there's a place for that. Yes. And I just don't think the Oscars is that space right. to, to honor those or recognize those movies. But you yeah. know, there's an argument to be made either way. Right. I exactly. So I guess my point is, I'm all for uh, mainstream movies showing up blockbusters showing up if they're actually doing something really interesting and, and shaking up uh, or pushing the industry in some way. In fact, on, on our review of the Batman, we posed the question, do you think this could be at an Oscar caliber movie? And the answer is not sure yet. Yeah. Potentially. Um, I just think the, the problem is the movies that people are generally tearing out to see aren't pushing the envelope at all. We have uh Dune is on here. I would say that's a movie of a blockbuster caliber that is pushing the envelope quite a bit. It's yeah. just not as mainstream as, you know, Spider-Man or Batman or whatever. Right. Um, last thing I'll say on this is uh, I'm with you. I don't think this is a positive direction, mostly because it feels like such an afterthought. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the game of awards, but the game awards is a very fundamentally different show. It's similarly is the industry awarding itself, which is cool. The difference is though that show has always been positioned as a celebration of the media gaming, and it also uses the internet. So one, they also have very long run times. Uh, two, they are not afraid to li just list off awards. Like here's five awards, because here, here's how they get people to show up. They say, here's five really cool awards, awesome. All right, and now here's a new world premiere. They like just debut insane amounts of new game trailers, which is what most people are turning up to see, frankly. Yeah. I personally like the awards. Um, I do think the Academy can learn some lessons. There, I do think there is a way to have online engagement in the conversation, but it needs to be built into the DNA of the show and very carefully thought through. This is like the laziest, like, hey, give us a hashtag and pick your movie and we'll give it a shout out. Yeah. You know, it feels, like, it feels like an afterthought for yeah. sure. You know what would be cool, though? Uh, on the Game Awards side, and I don't know. Again, I don't want to turn this into the MTV Movie Awards, but I do like the idea of maybe you could have uh, trailers for really big movie. I mean, just all sorts of movies that debut on Oscars Sunday night. I think that'd be kind of cool. Maybe you have a, a new trailer for the A24 films and the blockbuster films, and like you just tune in. Turn it into the Super Bowl, right. where we get to see the ads and yeah, exactly. stuff like that, but specifically catered towards... Film, films yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that'd be cool the problem is because the audience is shrinking the ad dollars it doesn't work out very yeah. well that way but i'm saying that i would say in and my because mind because you and i aren't producing the show right exactly so it's fine uh so yeah uh net negative but uh you know <laughs> hey maybe if you're a cinderella fan um you have a chance and sorry zach snyder fans uh that film is disqualified because it is a extended cut of a film released in 2017 so they they took that out of the running yikes sorry guys but without further ado, let's get to our predictions for this year's Oscar awards. So, Laurent, as always, we're going to go down category by category. Uh, quickly give two thought. Like we're going to make two selections per category. One is what should win, our which is our personal preference, and what we think will win. Because I want to make a distinction here for listeners: what we like might not win, and there is a certain sort of uh, gamification of this. 
as in if you go look at all the guild awards, you can't 100% know who's going to win, but you can have some pretty strong indications. So yeah. that's why we break it up into who's what's our favorite and what is actually most likely to win uh, for each category. And let's go ahead, Laron, and start with best adapted screenplay. Let's get those screenplays knocked out really fast. So yeah. the nominees this year. It never gets out really fast, by the way, from a screenwriter standpoint. It takes forever <laughs> to get them out. Years. <laughs> <But>. Years. <laughs> Uh, so best adapted screenplay the nominees are Coda Drive My Car Dune The Lost Daughter and The Power of the Dog so Laron thoughts should win will win you know I would have said that um, that Power of the Dog given the momentum and all of the um, I mean the, the all the love that the Academy showed them with nominations this year would have been kind of a shoo-in for this, but kind of seeing in the background how Coda has kind of, you know, um, you know, garnered momentum here in the la- in the coming weeks. I think that uh, Coda is going to be the one that kind of takes this award here. Um, but my preferential choice would be still be Power of the Dog. All right, you know, Coda is one we didn't get to in sort of the overview. Power of the Dog is sort of the front runner in a lot of categories, but Coda and the Guild Awards has revealed itself to be quite the force. Uh, and we're, we're recording this on uh, Sunday, March 20th, and the Writers Guild Awards are not until this evening. So we actually don't even know what the writers in the Academy are selecting. But uh, I think those are two solid guesses. I would say my should win is Dune. Uh, it is a you know monumental uh, novel by Frank Herbert, uh, Dune. And for them to be able to adapt it in such a way that a it works as a part one, so it's a it does feel like a mostly complete film, while also sort of clearly setting up the next chapter, and also just really, I don't know if you've read Dune, Laron. It's not exactly the easiest read or the most like this translates into characters acting. It's a lot of internal monologuing that they were able to really in world building that they were able to work really effectively into a script. So from that perspective, I was pretty impressed with it. So. Uh, that's my should win. My will win, though, I'm going to go with you. I think will win is going to be Coda. I think it's going to be the dark horse that's going to come in and sweep a lot of these categories. Yeah. I think with you, I, I, it's funny you said that about Dune. Um, I had a friend who absolutely hates the source material, hated hated the um, the episodic version of it, and hated the David Lynch film. Uh, had no intention of seeing the movie whatsoever for those reasons. I mean, and um, absolutely loved the new adaptation of it. Thought it was the best iteration of it. Found the best parts of all of those different things and turned it into something that was, you know, wholly original, but also still kind of in, in the spirit of what it came before. So that's a good choice, I think. I had never considered Dune for screenplay until he actually brought that up to me. So I actually like your choice there. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and again, I want to reiterate, strong competition in most of these categories. There's very few of these categories where I roll my eyes. Like, this is, all of these screenplays are really, really well done. So um, I could see a universe where Drive My Car also could take, it could be like a surprise win here, just because mm-hmm. it is, I mean, the strongest element of that film is the writing, you know. It's not the visuals. I mean, the performances are pretty strong, but it's, it's I feel like the writing component is the, is the, the, the main appeal there, yep. so... I mean, yeah, there's a universe where that could happen as well. But Also, just a shout-out to Maggie John Hall, Lost Daughter. I don't think she has a chance of winning, but I'm just glad she got in. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah good yeah. for her. All right, let's move on to Best Original Screenplay. So the nominees are Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, or 
this was the dark horse for nominees, the worst person in the world. So, Laron, what should win and what will win? Um, my my preference here is Licorice Pizza because I really I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I want this isn't my favorite film of his. I like it quite a bit, but I am um, I would like to see a win for him. Just even as from a career standpoint, just I think that um, he's very deserving of that. Um, but I um I also think that he's also probably the one to win this category. I think there's a chance maybe for your you know a film like Belfast, you know, but I think that. He has the, you know, the the career, like the narrative around him right now in that sense. So I think that Licorice Pizza is my should and will win. You know, Laurent, I I was so close, but I have to say, I'm my my should win is going to go the worst person in the world, and I just like it because it's the cool underdog story. I think all of these have, I mean, like you've got, uh, I mean, King Richard uh, is written by Zach Balin. Um, but starring Will Smith, so there's a real uh, a big push there. Don't Look Up was the Netflix darling. Adam McKay, the Academy loves him lately. Uh, and then Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, very established, uh, you know, writer, director, uh, star. So all these are very, and Paul Thomas Anderson, of course, all very established filmmakers. Right. Uh, so firstly, when the worst person in the world got nominated, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to throw my should win behind that. It's really close though, because initially my, my gut was, yeah, licorice pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson. I do think I agree with you. I do think it will win to be clear. I think it's going to take home the gold almost certainly. It's, it, he's got the, like you said, the momentum and it is a very, from what I understand, highly personal story for him as well. Yeah. I actually, in the worst person in the world, I actually prefer the film in general. Like overall, I think that it's a, it's a better film. Um, and I was also very surprised to see it amongst here that was not one that i expected to pop up um so i would not be i would not be um upset if it went that direction um but yeah i still i still if i'm a betting man i would say paul thomas anderson yeah i i agree if you're if you're playing to win liquor's pizza that's where it's at let's go ahead and move on to another crazy competitive category uh best cinematography so the nominees are dune nightmare alley the Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. And Lauren, I just gotta say, <laughs> I I'm gonna show my bias here by saying I think Dune is my preferred pick. But I gotta say, like, I love all of these. Um, West Side Story, low-key, has some of the most impressive camera work I've seen in any mo- mo- Spielberg movie let alone musicals. Yeah. I mean, power of the dog is just the way it frames the environments and the, the characters in those environments is mind blowing nightmare alley. You feel <laughs> the decay of those city streets in the yeah. second half of the film. Yeah. Um, there's not enough nice things I can say about all these. I'm going to go. will win should win double header Dune. All right. That said, I want to get your take. This is an impossible category. Like I'm looking at this and I, I mean, it really comes down to taste almost like, you I mean, just like what, which, you know, cause I mean like even tragedy of Macbeth, I mean, you think that's a very stylistic, you know, film. It just has very, I mean, the way they use lighting and shadows, it's just everything here is like a unique example of different kinds of cinematography. So it's just, just about what you like most. And honestly, I think uh, Dune is going to sweep the technicals here. Um, so I'm going to go with Dune as the, as the probable, probable winner. Um, but my personal preference amongst is actually Nightmare Alley, um, just because of just how textured that movie was. Like you said, everything down to just like the 
type of pens that they write with. You know, everything in that film is framed so beautifully, you know, so um, that'll be my um, my preferential choice. But I think that Dune's got that one for sure. Great choice. And again, like you said, there's no there's not a single one of these people if, who wins. I would be like, well, I can't believe any of these. No, these are all very, very worthy uh, winners. Let's continue the technical awards, though, with Best Sound. So the nominees for Best Sound are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Laron, what should win? What will win? I think should and will win is also Dune here. Um, I mean, when those sandworms come up, like, I just, you feel that. You feel all of that. Like, I mean... And also, I mean, like Hans Zimmer's score and everything, that whole film is just, sound is such an, a, a, an integral part of the experience for sure. Um, and it and it's very impressive all around. So Dune should and will win. I think Dune is an excellent choice. Quick story. So whenever Dune came out on 4K uh, Blu-ray, I, uh, I, which thankfully I now have a player for many years, I did not. But I said, I bought it, got it the day it came out. And it sat there and I said, you know what? I can't in good conscience watch this without the best sound possible in my home. Mm. And uh, recently, uh, it's several months ago, I moved into a new house and got a really nice sound bar. And I'm really happy with its uh, Sonos Beam. But I was like, no, 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 no. This is, you got to have, you got to have the bass. Yeah. So I literally waited until I could afford a subwoofer. <laughs> <laughs> for the which is Sonos subwoofers aren't cheap, but um, so we bought the Sonos. We waited for the Sonos subwoofer to come in for us to uh, for me and uh, my girlfriend Lauren to watch the film, rewatch the film again in our home theater setting. And I've got to say, my gosh, that sound is impeccable. It's just, it's it, it it really does change. I should say, it really does level up a movie that's already immaculately well made. Right. I mean, even like the dragonfly. Uh, what do you call it? The helicopters, like everything, the fluttering of the way, like everything is just so precise. So, so well thought out. Mm -hmm. And then you, I've watched a documentary about how they, they came up with these sounds and it's just incredible to see how they, they went out there to the desert. They, 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 you know, it's just crazy to, to see um, how much detail, how meticulous it was just down to the the smallest thing. So, and how much they they thought through all of the world building and were able to incorporate those ideas into the sound specifically, like you said, it's just uh, really impressive. So, what will win and should win? Dune. I I originally put West Side Story for should win, but I'm sorry, you're right. You talk you talked me into Dune because <laughs> it is just I did buy a subwoofer, so yes, <laughs> bias. Uh, you know, so so Dune will win, should win. I will say though, all really great nominees, and I you know I hope. West Side Story gets some gold tonight yeah. uh, or on Sunday night. That'd be so. Let's go ahead and move on to best original song. So, the nominees are "Be Alive" from King Richard. Oh, I'm gonna butcher this. Dos, dos. The Encanto song. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say this okay. Uh The Encanto song and not the Bruno one. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna butcher the name, uh, but dos or rigados, I forget it. Uh, anyway, so yes, the Encanto song, uh, "Down to Joy" from Belfast, "No Time to Die" from No Time to Die, and somehow you do from Four Good Days. Uh, Laron, I think there's really only one choice for yeah, Will Win. There's right? one. There's one choice here. I mean, it, 
I Diane Warren's gonna get her Oscar one year. It's just it's just again not gonna be this year. It's like so. Um, you, you know, there was a there was a time before the nominees came out where I would have said that you know there was a lot of energy around Beyonce winning her first well one getting her first nomination for an Oscar and then potentially being a winner here, but she is seems so unbothered and un <laughs> by the award whatsoever. She's campaigned for it in no no degree. So, and I think that No Time to Die, it just seems like the obvious choice in this category. Billie Eilish is super popular. It's actually a good Bond song, a lot better than the one that won. Oh, Spectre. Oh. Spectres with the- Most yeah. awkward win ever. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, Lady, did we not just watch the Lady Gaga performance? And we all were like, moved to tears. Like we all, there's a clear winner here and that is not, this was not it, <laughs> but sure. So, but I mean like, I basically what I'm saying is that if Sam Smith can win for that song, then Billie Eilish can absolutely win for this one. And I actually listen to this song pretty often. I actually do enjoy it. So I think it should and will win. No time to die. Of the Daniel Craig Bond films, I think it's number two. I think Skyfall is just untouchable sure. still, but it is really good. Here's the funny thing, Ron. This is, this is great. I said there was one obvious winner, and I did not have no time to, uh, to die. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, that is my preference, actually. Okay, that is cool. my selection. Uh, my obvious choice, though, and, and I could Encanto. be wrong, it is the Encanto song. Okay. Because uh, I think, funny enough, I don't think this is the song I would have nominated for this award. I'm surprised this is the one that went with, because there are, I think, three films from the Encanto soundtrack that have persistently been tr uh, uh, trending and at the top of the charts since the film hit Disney Plus on Christmas Eve, and this is not one of them. So I find that really interesting, but I think just the sh the, the the sheer connection to Encanto and the fact that it's Lin Manuel Miranda who is a, a darling, I think it, I think he's got a, a I think he's got this one in the, not in the bag, but okay. but I hope you're right. I hope it's a yep. no brainer for the Academy. They're like, well, yeah, no time to die. Why not? Yeah. It's it's a fantastic song. And see, I went a different route where the only reason I didn't choose the Lin Manuel song was because it wasn't the two popular ones that have been played more often. So I thought maybe because they chose maybe the third favorite song that that would edge out the other song, the other competitor here. But we'll see, I guess. We'll see. Yeah, I you know, I hope I'm wrong in this category because I did have uh, for Should Win, No Time to Die. Let's go on to Best Original Score. And, and Laurent, I'm just going to step back here. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But of all the awards that they put into the pre-recorded section, this actually is the one that I'm most disappointed in. Yeah. Um, I used to do, me and Alexandra Bohannon, we used to do a, an entire episode. I think we did it like two different years where we would just cover the best picture nominees of that year, the scores, because we thought they were just so much to talk about. I love the scores. Uh, I love the people who are usually nominated in these categories. So I was really, really bummed when it got uh, pushed out of the, the live broadcast. That said, absolutely, yeah. um, still a really good uh, category. Uh, what's your take? What should win? What will win? Um, I think what Hans Zimmer did with Dune, and like, I know he's such an obvious choice and he's been here before, but I mean, it, it's an incredible score and there's so much going on. He's trying new sounds. He's trying, it's very inventive. It's very robust. It's very cinematic. It just, there's so much to unpack there. Um, I just loved it, and I could listen to it on repeat all the time. So I think Dune should and will win here. I was a fan of Johnny Greenwood's uh, two scores this year. This I actually preferred his score in Spencer, which is not nominated here. Um, but I did also like Power of the Dogs. That would be a close second for me. But I just don't think it tops what's going on with Hans Zimmer's score in 
in Dune. It's just, it's just, it's great. It's next level. Yeah. You know, it reminds me back, you know, every, I don't know, decade or so, Hans Zimmer reinvents himself. He did the Pirates of the Caribbean deal, and then about uh, eight or nine years later, I think, he did uh, Inception. But then he only did Inception for, like, almost a decade, and I feel like he came through and reinvented himself here again with Dune with, a, like you said, just truly innovative sound it feels mm-hmm. like you haven't heard or sorry you haven't seen yeah you haven't heard that right. uh sound in another film so I, i'm with you uh should win will win dune i think it's really innovative yeah. i that said of the things from don't look up you know that are <laughs> people don't like i actually don't think the score is among them and i also just love nicholas Bertel. i think he's Same. incredible yeah, uh, he's everything he does is, is a plus so I don't think he should win or will win, but I just want to say, Nicholas Bertel, your day's coming, man. It's coming. Look up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to best film editing. And the nominees are Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Ron Chapman, what should win, what will win? Um, This is an interesting one. Um, I felt like I felt like Don't Look Up was super chaotic for me, and a lot of people say, "Well, there's 20 actors, and they had to cut around each person's." Th- and I I understand like there was a lot of editing in the movie. You know how good it was was that's that's up for debate. But um, so I'm not I'm not mad that this is here, but I also it it was this is one that I'm just like, maybe you know. Um, but I feel like Tick Tick Boom would be my preferential choice here. Um, I just think that movie was super underrated from a technical standpoint. Um, but I feel like, again, as I said before, with sweeping the technicals, this will be another Dune win. And I'm okay with it because Dune obviously is great in, in many, on all these different areas. But if there was a space where I would deviate from the Dune, the Dune sweep, this would be, this would go to tick, tick, boom for me for sure. LeBron Chapman, I'm sharing the same brain with you because I put the exact same thing. I really would love to see Tick, Tick, Boom take home the gold. I think, again, the whole film was underrated just off the bat. Yeah. Even uh, Andrew Garfield was overshadowed by the fact that he was appearing in Spider-Man and No Way Home later. It it really overshadowed his entire press tour, which is a real bummer. So it's easy for this film, I think, to be overlooked, but I hope I think it actually would deserve best film editing myself. That said, I think Dune's got this one in the bag. I think Dune is very much doing the Mad Max Fury Road tour where it it, it doesn't really take home any of the the most prestigious awards, but it gets just about all the technical. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to best costume design. Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Lauren Chapman, what are your picks? It's another strong category um, in terms of, like, I mean, West Side Story, obviously, costuming is an important part of it. It's very vibrant, very colorful, um, and is also a huge part of it. Um, Nightmare Alley, a good, a good period piece, lots of, you know, lots of, uh, nice reds and, you know, um, I think that, um, probably the, the one here that I think honestly is the weakest I know is Dune for me, just because I think like, you know, like the military style thing, it looks nice and, but I just don't think it's the strongest element of the movie. Um, I think that Cruella though is just the I mean, that is what the movie is. Like, part of the appeal is just how elaborate and, you know, they're, they're fashion designers, they're creating these costumes. It's it's built into the story as much as, like, Phantom Thread. You know what I mean? Like, where it's, like, it's part of the narrative. It, it just seems like that's the obvious winner here in this category. 
and I think deserving too. Well, I'm going to come out and say I agree with you, Dune. That is not a weak element of the film, but in comparison to everything else that is yeah, excellent, sure. it is definitely on the the less imaginative side. I would say. Yeah. I am putting should win. My preference was Nightmare Alley. Okay, I love how the costumes uh, they're all dressed. It's a period piece, but they're all still dirty and grimy at the same time. Even when they're supposed to look really nice, they also look like they're in a noir. It, it's just a really slick production, and that's those are the sorts of details that I, I've come to love and expect and s- to see in a Del Toro film, and I think Nightmare Alley is no exception. Very closely, I I, I think this is tough. I You make a great case for Cuella. You're probably right. But I want to throw West Side Story a bone here because okay. I do think the costumes of that film are really well made, and I don't know. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there. I think West Side Story might get something. Yeah, and maybe it's costumes. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to best international feature film, and the nominees are Drive My Car, Flea, The Hand of God, uh, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, and The Worst Person in the World. And full disclosure, Laurent, I only saw three of the five films here, which are Drive My Car, Flee, and The Worst Person in the World. I have not seen The Hand of God uh, or A Yak in the Classroom. Just for listeners so you're aware. So, Laurent, uh, what is your take? Who is going to take home Best International Feature Film? Um, I think Drive My Car is going to definitely take Best International Film here. Um, And I'm fine with that. If I had a preference, though, I would choose The Worst Person in the World. Um, I... I think that was probably my favorite international film this year. Um, a lot of people love Drive My Car. I think I need to revisit it. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but there was a lot to unpack there, and I don't, I, I haven't, hasn't quite set in, you know, how much I love or just appreciate the movie, because um, there is a difference when you you notice everything's checking, is checking every box, or it's like technically this is well made, but how much do I actually love the movie? Um, I walked away from the worst person in the world knowing I loved it, so. Um, that would be my preferential choice, but I think that Drive My Car absolutely is probably the surefire winner here. Also really liked Flea. You know, that was quite, I mean, but it's nominated in three categories this year. Um, if if it had a chance anywhere, I would say this would be the category it would. It would. Um, but unfortunately, I think that Drive My Car is just, that's the narrative of the of the year. And and also just with that d- director nomination for, for Drive My Car, you know, behind it. But I also feel like that, just gives it all the more momentum too. Well, and the fact of the matter is, uh, Drive My Car is also nominated for Best Picture. So, I mean, you can never know with 100% certainty, but usually if it's nominated for both Best International Film and Best Picture, and the other international films are not, it's a pretty strong indicator that, yeah, it's you know it's, it's not gonna quite make it through. So I'm with you, I think Drive My Car, uh, will win and I think it should win that's my it's my preference I do think the worst person in the world is a really impactful film a lot more personal well they're both personal in their own way but I, I hear what you're saying about driving my car feeling like it checks the boxes if it doesn't resonate with you it just isn't that that doesn't have that sort of magic for you um I also think flea yeah we didn't even mention what a unique year uh flea getting nominated for best international film best documentary and best animated feature film that's pretty unique that's pretty unique yeah so sure. uh, and it's actually a pretty good example of all three of those you know so. yes absolutely but yeah, Drive My Car I think has it in the bag, and I think it should. If I was gonna, if I was gonna, if I was gonna bend it all, I would say maybe Flea should win. But uh, just because I think it's innovative in that sure. way. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to best makeup and hairstyling. So the nominees are, and a shocking nomination, 
Coming to America. That's with the number two, by the way. Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. LeBron Chapman, who should win? Who will win? I think, and I'm not going to take anything away from Jessica Chastain, but a huge part of that performance is that makeup and just how well it's aged over time as we see her evolve throughout the, through the years in the film. So it is a huge part of what makes that that role and that performance work so well for me. Um, so I think that the eyes of Tammy Faye is the is my preferred and also um, the one that I think will actually win the award. So I went back and forth on this one because I, I'm with you. I, I think especially because I think that the makeup in that is the most obvious because it's very, I don't know. You know what I mean, right? You can, you can tell that I, I, we know Jessica Chastain doesn't look like this, right? Right. But it, and it does look really good, but you can sort of see it a little more obviously. I like Dune. I'm going to go Dune here as well. Here's why. I just think the way the Hark- they made the Harkonnens looked uh, pretty gross, it, but it still looked very real at the same time. Um, really the Harkonnens are the big ones. Uh, a big makeup job in that film, but uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Dune on this one. But you know, I think will win. Step back. I do think Dune should win, but you know, I think will win. Yeah, I think Eyes of Tammy Faye is probably the has the best shot at this category as well. So good selection. And you know, I mean, I get it. Like, I think the thing about coming to America, like we're not gonna say it, it was it was poorly. The makeup's done poorly there. It's obviously. I mean, it's just that it's it's not groundbreaking in the sense that we have seen this type of movie before from like from Eddie Murphy. I mean, literally the first movie yes. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I think that's the reason why I'm like, not this time, you know what I mean? Like we had that, we had that, that, that era is kind of past, you know? Um, I mean, house of Gucci, there's some things there, but it's just, dep- it just depends on, you know, again, uh, taste there. I mean, obviously Jared Leto is obviously, you know, um, <laughs> well adorned there. I just think that, um, I just think that the eyes of Tammy Faye was the one where it responded to me better, you know, where I was into the performance. I see the choices that were made and why they were made, and they didn't they didn't necessarily feel campy, even if they were even if you know she was this larger than life character um, that kind of leaned into that. So, but yeah, you know, I I almost forgot about Jared Leto with House of Gucci. That could be a dark horse because uh, you know, I mean, say what you will about Jared Leto's performance. There's a lot of different opinions out there about it, but uh, you have to say he. He was uh he was truly unrecognizable under the makeup. So yeah, maybe there's something there. So uh, listeners, this is a pretty we're gonna go with again. Uh, Will win. It sounds like uh, we're, we're leaning towards eyes of Tammy Faye. But uh, House of Gucci, maybe maybe keep that one in your back pocket uh, when you're making your selections. All right, well let's go ahead and move on to one of my favorite categories that doesn't get talked about as much that I think it should best production design. And this is another much like cinematography where I'm like, yikes, there's no losers here. The nominees are Dune nightmare alley, the power of the dog, the tragedy of Macbeth and West side story, man, what a toss up. What what do you think? Again, not a weak, not a weak member in this category. I just, um, my my inclination is to go with the Nightmare Alley here, but just because I, for me, production design in that film, in any Guillermo del Toro film, really, um, but specifically here, there's just there's just so much. I mean, from the carnival scenes down to the you know the inter, the the office scenes with Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper, like there's not um, there's nothing from the wallpaper to the carpet to the you know everything there you know is intentional. Everything there feels like it's 
it's there for a reason. Nothing is wasted. And so that whole, the frame is filled with such gorgeous images and such gorgeous design. So I think that that's, that's the one for me that just resonates with, where it resonated with me emotionally. But I think that every one of these here is super strong. Um, I mean, all these films definitely showcase this very well. So to recap, who do you think, so, so you're saying should win Nightmare Alley? Should and will win, okay. I think, Nightmare Alley here. Okay. I am so torn because I agree. I think Nightmare Alley should win. That's my, my, my favorite. I've got Dune Down, will win, could win. There's a third, West Side Story, because I think West Side Story also had a very impressive production design. And man, it just, here's the thing. Tragedy Macbeth shows up a few times. I think it's going to go home t- totally empty-handed. But I have to say, what a remarkable film. And the production design is a huge part of that. Yeah. How you are able to create a production in which, in a film in which you simultaneously feel like you're watching a play and a movie at the same time. Mm-hmm. Remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I. I just want to take a moment to say that movie's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with should win Nightmare Alley, will win. I'm going to say Doom. Okay. Though, again, Academy loves them some Del Toro production design, Laurent, so I think that's a pretty good bet as well. I just think that Nightmare Alley doesn't have a chance pretty much anywhere else. Yeah. And I think if they were going to nominate it or give it a win anywhere, then production design is where it would have its strongest chance. Definitely. You know? But yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, let's move into the family-friendly fair, mostly. <laughs> well, please. It's <laughs> a little intense for, for uh, So, uh, best animated feature film. The nominees are Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, and Raya the Last Dragon. Very competitive. Disney owning three of these nominations, frankly. Although, uh, only one Pixar to Disney, which I find kind of interesting. Mm. Laurent Chapman, what do you think will win and what should win? This is an interesting category. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, kudos to the Academy for nominating Flea for animated film. Because, um, you know, you think of, like you said, Family Fair, that's normally what we think of in this category. It's just going to be a sweep from Disney. But it's just nice to see an adult film, a very adult um, dramatic film here in this category that's that's being represented here. Um because, like you said, if you took your kids to, 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 to pick a movie amongst these, there's one they absolutely you probably wouldn't want them to watch. So um, if I had my my heart is saying I would like to see a flea win here, knowing full well that I think that Encanto is like it's the the sweeper of the of this category. Um, so I'd say my preferential choice is flea and then um the film that I think will take it is in Kanto. But man, the Mitchells was great. Too. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Mitchells yeah. versus the Machines was great too. That one spoke to my heart as a filmmaker. Just it just spoke to all those different things. But you know, um, all these were all these were pretty were were pretty good. I think. Um, but I think that yeah, Flea would be my preference choice, and Encanto would be the the, the winner. I think. Yeah, I, I echo the sentiment here. So I have down should win the Mitchells versus the Machines. That is a personal choice, though, Laron. I feel like I connected with it the most uh, on a personal level. I I love. How the uh, Phil Lord, the Lord and Miller combo come back as producers, and they're like, you know, what we did in Spider Man to the Spider Verse. What if we applied that same sort of ideology uh, related to animation to non comic book films, and we get something really interesting here that I feel like is a lot more innovative than what we're getting from Disney or Pixar in terms of the actual animation, mm-hmm. the art direction, and the story was great. I love it. I laughed. I've watched that thing three or four times. So yeah. or I've had it on three or four times after the first viewing. So I, th- I think it's my my personal should win. 
Uh, Encanto has probably got it in the bag. Uh, frankly, I mean, I think Encanto is a very solid movie. It's I actually like Ryan the Last Dragon better, but I think just in terms Same. of uh, yeah, in, in terms of like what I think the Academy is going to go for, Encanto is more recent, has the catchy soundtrack. It's got Lin Manuel Miranda's backing there, so I think that's that's the the clear front runner, and I'd be surprised if it did not go to Encanto. That said, I did mo- I did note here, wish it had a chance. Flea, and I don't. I just don't think it has a chance. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to best animated short film. And okay, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there right now, Laron. So just for listeners, full transparency, I have not seen any of these, so I'm not even gonna make a guess. Laron, have you seen any of these? No. Let's move forward. <laughs> okay. This is a good call. So listeners, I apologize. These are always the, there's like four categories every year. I'm like, oh, I saw maybe one of these. Uh, this one in the best animated short film. And oh, look, best live action short film. Also one that I haven't seen any of, uh, ashamedly. Um, so even though one of these is produced by Riz Ahmed, which is pretty cool. Uh, so Laurent, do we, best live action short film any of these you've seen have you seen any of them i just don't want to discredit any of these knowing full well i haven't seen them give them a fair judgment so i'll say no i can't do that either okay so listeners we are skipping best animated short film and best live action short film let's move on to the one chance spider-man has to do make a meaningful (laughs) impact on the show best visual effects the nominees are dune free guy no time to die Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Man, the bar is getting low. And Spider-Man, <laughs> No Way Home. <laughs> okay, I, I whole other podcast. I'm generally very unimpressed with how most Marvel movies look. That's just the reality, but that's a whole other podcast. So anyway, whenever I see two MCU films on here, I'm like, but really? Yeah. But uh, Laurent, what do you think? What should win? What will win? I think should and will win is still Dune here for technical. I just, I mean, it, it, and it deservingly. So I think it, it looks amazing. It actually stands out to me, you know, so there's, and it's doing something new. You know, I don't think that, like you said, most of these, um, like you said, Spider-Man and Shang-Chi, I mean, they look fun, like every Marvel movie I've seen before. And whether, and if you like those films, then, you know, that's, that's great. But I feel like these, um, it, they're not doing anything innovative or new. So um, I would say those would cancel each other out. Um, I mean, if I had, if, I wouldn't be upset if like a No Time to Die or something won here, like the unexpected winner here, you know. Like, but I think that Dune again with the momentum will have will have the, all the technicals in in the bag. So I think should and will win Dune. Yeah, one hundred percent with you. Should win Dune, will win Dune. I don't think it's a question. And I just want to step back and, and say here again, this is, I don't want to turn this into a whole podcast, but I just have to say, if you go back and watch. Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003. One I like to point out, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and you look at Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. I think that movie was, what, 2006, I think? Yeah. Yeah. That, still thereabouts, looks, thereabouts. It still looks better than any MCU CGI character. Yeah. And I guess that's uh, that's just where I'm at. And, and Free Guy's on here, too, which, again, not a movie that looked bad, but there was not one time when I was watching the movie where I was like, Wow, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, so again, Dune's a no-brainer for me. Should win, will win. Um, honorable mention: No Time to Die because I actually think that movie does have some pretty impressive special effects in the sense that it's not always obvious that you're looking at you know visual effects in the moment. Right. I'm also surprised that they went with two Marvel films and didn't throw in like a Matrix Resurrections in there or something like that. That that yeah. that, that that leans on that sort of thing. It just feels interesting that I mean. That you know that they decided to award two 
of movies that look pretty much the same to me in yeah. terms of, you know, but. Yeah, that have been using the same visual Save effects, uh, you know, look for the last 15 years. But okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to best documentary feature. And the nominees are Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, and Writing with Fire. LaRon Chapman, what should win, what will win? This is the one time I'm going to deviate from Flea, even though I I adored that movie this year. Um, and I'm going to go with Summer of Soul because I watched that movie super, super, super late. It actually premiered here at the Dead Center Film Festival or showed at screened at the Dead Center Film Festival. And I didn't see it then. Um, I saw it on Hulu, you know, like at home by myself. And had an emotional experience with it because it felt like I was seeing something that, again, because you're seeing archival footage from an event that is just was not reported, did not get, you know, at the time of day in the limelight. And and it was such a remarkable moment, cultural moment and historical moment um, for a bunch of marginalized groups and in for that, that era of music. And um, it felt like I was watching something that, my ancestors like you know kind of conjured for me to see like and told me it was going to be one of the most important things i ever watched so that one spoke to me very deeply and i think that it actually uh will win as well in this category so i'm going to say should and will win uh summer of soul though i would not be mad to see a flea win here so i'm gonna do i'm gonna go the opposite of you here i'm actually gonna say should win will win flea just mostly because i think it's really innovative uh again as we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. the triple threat of the international film the documentary uh and the animated film i i want to reiterate though i actually do think summer of soul is pretty fantastic and i think it's really important so if it wins i i think it's an extremely well-deserved win because it it is you know, it, it really goes back to documentary in a much more traditional sense and, and in the way that, hey, here's a bunch of footage of this thing that's never been like documented in this way or on, on video yeah. or on film in this way. And we went through all of it and put it together to create a co- cohesive story. Yeah. And all it is is really documenting this event, right? And mm-hmm. and all of the things that kind of like set the stage for it, right? Yeah. It's like a moment in our culture, uh, like a snapshot. So in that way, I think it's pretty pretty powerful and pretty important. So from that perspective, you know, if it does win, I think it's well-deserved. And I think it, because it should sit on that shelf as best documentary. But that said, I, I don't know. I'm a sucker for the, the innovative style of Flea. So yeah. I'll have to go with that. Let's move on to the next category, best documentary short subject. And uh, Laurent Chapman, I'll go through the nominees here real quick, which are Audible, Lead Me Home, the Queen of Basketball, Three Songs for Benzer, and When We Were Bullies. Now, listeners, this is also a category I have not seen any of these films, so I am not going to tell you what to put or what to watch. Laurent, do you have any anything you want to add about this category? I'm going to say seek them out, watch them, support them. I also have not done so. <laughs> so we've got we've got exactly one week to do this, Laurent. This is yes. our homework. You this is our homework. homework. Right. We right. promise we're going to do it. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that is the uh, best documentary short subject. We're now closing in on the, the more heavy hitting part of the of the awards. You know, we're talking about best picture, best actors, and the next one, best director. Again, very competitive category. We have Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, 
Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and then Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Laurent Chapman, tough category. What's your pick? Um, Denny Villeneuve should definitely be amongst these. Yes. Um, I would have swapped Brana for him. Um, but that's um, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but otherwise, I think this is a very strong category. Uh, I was actually happy to see a Steven Spielberg, and I didn't think he was gonna squeak in there. And I did think that the West Side Story. Um, was one of the best directed movies I've seen this year. In term, I mean, just this was a story that absolutely could have been stale, could have felt, you know, he added a a new vitality and and life to this project, you know, where it did feel um, equal parts nostalgic and new at the same time. Um, so I was happy to see that here. Happy to see some representation for uh, Drive My Car, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, long overdue for this. Um, would not, it would be nice to see, but I think Jane Cambion has all the momentum here. She's sweeping all the Guild Awards. She is the the person to beat in this category um, for Power of the Dog, and I think she did a fantastic job. Would love to see another female win this category, um, and, and it would be deserving as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say should and will win Jane Cambion, but wanted to give a little love to the other directors as well here. Well, it's a good thing that this Except award is not. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Kenneth Branagh. We don't give it too much love. Uh, you know, it's a good thing, Laron, that the Academy Award for Best Director is not picked exclusively by Sam Elliott, because otherwise I think Jane would be in some hot water. Yeah. <laughs> so here's where I'm going to come down. Um, I actually think should win Steven Spielberg. And, and here's the thing. Okay. This is me saying best... I think this is a toss-up. I think all, all of these films are really great. Again, Belfast notwithstanding. The thing about the reason I picked Spielberg for this, uh, for my preference, is because I think it, this is the best directed film. He'd never done a musical before. Mm-hmm. And again, he I remember when they announced a West Side story was gonna be this, his 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 musical project that he's always wanted to make. I was like, really? Yeah. I, I mean, roll. There's right. already a there's already <laughs> a movie out there that people like, you know. Is this the one where why why does this movie need to be made? And you know what? He did it. He did it in a way that really surprised me. He made it feel fresh. He made it feel timely. Uh, it got a little grittier than I expected uh, mm-hmm. from a Steven Spielberg uh, musical. And the whole production from 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 start to finish, I mean, we, we've talked about it in several categories. It's been nominated. But I think at the end of the day, it all works as well as it does because you have Spielberg's very cohesive, meticulous vision for the project. Yeah. So that's why I say my pick is Steven Spielberg. That said... Jane Campion deserves the win. Steven Spielberg's had his shot, so I wouldn't be mad if she won as well. I do think she is going to get it. More representation uh, for this category is great. I think the Power Dog is similarly as uh, West Side Story. It works as well as it does because you had a really strong vision from the director. Um, But, you know, PTA, we'll get one one day. Frankly, I'm more of a fan of the more dark epic drama, uh, you know, PTA, than more of the lighthearted comedy uh, PTA myself. Um, so my, if I had a preference, it would be for a film like that. But uh, at the same time, I think Paul Thomas Anderson's going to be back in this position sooner rather than later. Uh, and yeah, so again, my picks. Should win Steven Spielberg, will win Jane Campion, absolutely should have been here, Denny Villeneuve. But like I said, I'm, I'm real disappointed he's not here, but don't worry. We got Doom Part 2 coming. And if he doesn't get it for doing part two, I'm going to, there's going to be riots. There will be riots. At Film Nerds, yes. <laughs> Writing uh, at their local, oh, it's the same movie rental store, but that, even that doesn't work anymore. Assuming it's on the same caliber. 
Yes. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. He hasn't made a bad movie yet. Right. So, but yes. Yeah. We don't want to, good point. We don't, we don't want to assume that it's of the quality just yet. Let's move on to the acting awards, starting with best actor in a supporting role. And the nominees are Syrian Hines, Troy Kotzer, Jesse Plemons, J.K. Simmons, and Cody Smith McPhee. Tough category here. There's a couple of these I like more than others, but uh, overall, these are all really strong performers. Uh, LaRon Chapman, who is your pick for should win and will win? This is a mixed bag for me. I would have really have liked to have seen, um, instead of some, there were a couple surprises here. Jesse Plemons was not expected to be here. I don't necessarily think that's a bad choice. Um, liked him fine in the movie. Um, J.K. Simmons was not really expected to be here. Um, love him as an actor. He already has an Oscar. I don't necessarily think this is an Oscar-worthy role. He's perfectly competent in it, but I can't think of a specific moment in it that really right. warrants that. Um, I, I just want to stop that because I had the same reaction when I saw him pop up. I was like, I mean, he was good, but, but there wasn't like a scene where you're like, oh, this is this is right, why he's right. the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Siren Hines, like this is one of those performances that I think like is fine, but it, it, it doesn't it kind of feels I won't say phoned in because that makes me think he's like a lazy actor. He's a great actor. It's just I just feel like that particular role doesn't seem challenging for him, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he was one of the shoe ins to be nominated this year in this category before. The, the, the Guild Awards and everything. So I was very curious about that, and he, he's all the way here now. Um, but that being said, the two here that I think that all, the only two that stand a chance here are Troy Kotzer and Coda and Cody Spick-McPhee in Power of the Dog. Um, up until now, I would have said um, Cody Spick-McPhee had this in the bag. He was kind of the, the favored choice here. Um, but Troy Kotzer's been kind of sweeping the, the, the Guild Awards, and I'm happy with that, actually. I think he was he was really remarkable in Coda, um, one of the standouts in that movie. Um, so I would be very happy to see that, one, because he's terrific in the role, but also just, again, representation for the deaf community. And I think that um, it would be a nice, a sweet spot win for for that. And I think that um, if he doesn't get it, I think it'll definitely go to Cody Spickman-Fee. Um, but I think my preferential choice would be for Troy as well. Troy and Will should and should win for Troy Kotzer. Yeah, you make a really great case because I do think the diversity win, uh, sorry, the inclusive being more inclusive uh, by awarding a deaf performer who did per turn in an incredibly powerful performance is great. For me, Cody Smith McPhee is my preference, and I just say this because, without getting too in the weeds, that whole movie I was sitting here thinking. This movie's really well made, but I don't really get the point. And once there is a certain reveal at the end of the film about what the whole point of the movie is, you really don't get it until the very end. And you're like, wow, it, it recolors the way you think about the entire film. And it only works as well as it does because of Cody Smith McPhee. Obviously, uh, it, the whole ensemble is extra strong, um, but like he, his, um, his role is sort of the backbone, uh, the sort of moral compass, quote unquote, the 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 one who is grounding the film for the audience. Yeah. And if he hadn't have landed the plane uh, so well, I don't know that that film would have had the same impact on me once we hit the conclusion. So I'm going to go should win uh, Cody Smith-McPhee, but will win Troy Coatser. Again, very well-deserved win. And what I think about, uh, it took me a minute to come around to the Cody smith because I think he's good in the role, but I, again, similar to... Um, J.K. Simmons, I was saying to myself, well, where's his moment, though? Like, where's the, from a from a performance standpoint? Yeah. But when I realized that the entire story hinges on 
it's his movie. Like we think it's Benedict Cumberbatch's yep. movie, but it's actually his Cody's movie. movie the entire time because he's driving the conflict, whether we know it or not yet. And he, you know, and once that ultimate reveal comes, you think, oh, he's been the mastermind this entire time. And there's a stealthiness to it, just like his performance, you know, that kind of works. And it is very nuanced, but. Without it, like you said, the movie just does not have the impact at all. So there's, there's no one real, you really to empathize with in the film. Uh, exactly. Of that, I think. Exactly. Also, again, I just want to throw out there: Ben Affleck should have been in this category. <laughs> in fact, the last duel was shut out, and I know that was. I probably liked that movie more than a lot of people, but again, I'm just surprised it was really impressive looking. I share your love for the last duel. Okay, great. I think, but I agree. In certain circles, people are like, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Also, a lot of people just haven't seen it. So that's, <laughs> that's just... true. Uh, now stream on HBO Max. There you go. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's move on to best actress in a supporting role. The nominees are Jessica Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. Oh, look, Kirsten and Jesse get to have a really nice date night. <laughs> and Anjanou Ellis from King Richard. So, Lauren Chapman, who do you think will win? Who should win? Um, I Okay, so just the short answer is that this is Ariana DeBose's Oscar. You know, this, I mean, she, she swept every category in this, and I think that she has all the momentum, and it is a very good performance to kind of be on the shoulders of Rita Moreno, who also won the Oscar for this same character in the same movie. Um, you know, it, it's pretty remarkable that she would stand out as much as she does, and she and she really does in the film. Um, so I would say should and will win is going to be Ariana DeBose. But that being said, I would be very happy to see a, a Kirsten Dunst win or an Anjanou Ellis win, just because those are two actresses I've seen who, whose careers I've followed for a long time. And, you know, this is Kirsten's first nomination, which is insane to me when I think about all the great roles she's done. Um, from, I mean, Melancholia to, I mean, The Virgin Suicides. There's just so many indie, she's been doing great underground work for a really long time, over a decade. So, and the same thing with Anjanou Ellis is kind of a, a Viola Davis, Octavia, Octavia Spencer that's been around for many years, you know, but under the radar, but has never gotten this kind of recognition. So first nomination for her. Both of them are excellent in their films, respective films. But I think that there's just a lot more to work with with Ariana's role. There's just, from a dynamic standpoint, she's dancing, she's singing, she's performing, she's emoting. It's a full, you know, embodied performance. So I think that there's just a lot more there to, to chew on. Well, not to mention, I, I feel like her scenes in West Side Story, she kind of owns the room. I mean, like, unless it's the giant ensemble scenes, of course, where there's a lot of different players. But, like, the small, intimate, like, during the apartment scenes, she just has a – she really just soaks up the, the energy in those yeah. scenes and is, the clear in my mind, clearly owning those scenes. So. And that's a tough cast to go up against. So I'm with you. I think uh, Will and Should Win will be Ariana DeBose. But uh, again, um, Kirsten Dunst, please come back. Please come back. Please come back. Don't I, forget her. I don't forget her. I want you to win. I just hate that. I just hate that all this time it took her to get a nomination. It's like this is not the year because there's that girl here. She's she's she she's showed do- up out of nowhere. She and- showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> it's her first time. But hey, she's you know what I mean. Like just feels like that's always how it kind of happens. Well, Kurt- and the thing is, the, the kind of the the challenge here is. Power of the Dog is just not as showy a movie as West Side Story is the other thing. Like, Because yeah. her role in the film is very subdued. She's right. excellent, but yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she has these huge scenes, you know? Right. Um, For sure. But please come back. With that being said, people, like, another throwaway one here, Judy Dench, I'm just like, love her to pieces. 
won an Oscar for the shortest scene ever in a movie, Shakespeare in Love. And then here I'm like, she's sitting down and she's knitting the whole time and she does it wonderfully. But I'm just saying, you know, I, this is another one of those roles where I'm like, there's there were several supporting performances that could have fit into this category. Yeah. Judy didn't need it here, is is what I'm saying. And but I'm also happy to see Jesse Buckley in here. That yeah. was that was a surprise nomination for the Lost Daughter because I thought there was a chance. I thought there was a universe where Dakota Johnson would be nominated from that same film, um, and that they would with her having a little bit more recognition that they probably would have gone with her. Um, and so to see Jesse Buckley there is a surprise win and good for her because she's been doing great work for a, a long time. So, but yeah, I definitely think Ariana is our our crowning achievement here in this category. Yep, absolutely. I think it's a safe bet. Well, let's move on to best actor in a leading role. Talk about boring categories. <laughs> All right, the nominees are Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos? Question mark. Weird one. Okay, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, and Tick Tick Boom. Will Smith and King Richard and Denzel Washington and the tragedy of Macbeth. Again, very competitive category overall, I would say. So, Lauren Chapman, what is your take here? Um, this is – it's not that these – all these – everyone here, maybe with exception of Javier Bardem, who I think is great, again, head scratcher of how he was able to beat out some of these other people that weren't nominated. But um, the other four, it's such a – I mean, it feels like it's – it, this is just such a obvious, obvious group of actors to be here. Um, they didn't shake this category up very much at all. Um, I think this is Will Smith's year, um, and I think he's excellent in King Richard. I do think it's one of his best performances, um, best dramatic performances. Um, so if there was a year to nominate him, and he's just he has that charm and charisma where it's just like it's his time. It's been he's been here, you know, well tried to be here multiple times. Um, I think he's only been nominated twice. Um, wow. And, yeah, it's, I think it was, uh, um, gosh. I think Ali was the last one, right? Ali in The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, so oh, so this, is this is his third time. Okay. This is, this will be, oh, yeah, this is, sorry, this is his third time being nominated, but I think this is the actual time that he'll actually take it home. Um, I loved Andrew Garfield in Tick, in Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, wouldn't be Wouldn't be angry to see that. But I, I think Denzel Washington's great, but I feel like um, he doesn't need this. And um, and obviously he has a couple on his belt. Um, and then Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, really great in Power of the Dog. But I think that he would be the number two pick here if there's a, is if there's a coin flip here. But I think that Will Smith has all the momentum. He's winning in, in, winning in categories that you wouldn't expect him to. He won BAFTA. You know, like, so that's just something that's kind of unheard of. So I think that Will Smith is definitely the winner here. Should and will win Will Smith. Okay. I, I agree. I, I don't think there's a question about the will win. Yeah. I think I think Will Smith has it in the bag. I will say I'm partial to Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom. I really, and again, this is just speaking, you know, to me, uh, white male, turned 30 last year, uh, with creative energy you know um so my bias is i like him because i really like the story and the movie and then gosh dang andrew garfield gives 110 percent with every performance and uh so i loved i loved him in that film that said i think will smith is great i think he deserves it uh he's long deserved an oscar i don't know if this is my favorite of his dramatic roles but you know what he's good he is really good so i, I think it's deserved so I, i'm happy to say that uh, he wouldn't be my number one pick, but I think it's a really well-deserved pick. Yeah. I, I did note here, though, Denzel, 
Uh, while I don't think he needs it or really wants it, uh, <laughs> he is really got, he's riveting. He's in very it. incredible. Uh, the Shakespeare slides right off the tongue, man. It, 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 he's so good in that. Film. You can see his root, his stage roots coming. He's like, this is the role he was born to always play. And whether it was on stage or, you know, any medium, you know, so. He makes it look easy, which is easy. wild. Which is wild because there's nothing easy about Shakespeare. And there's nothing easy about the words in Macbeth. So it's just, yeah, it feels very effortless. Um, I really would have loved to have seen like a surprise here. One surprise yeah. here. Javier Bardem is a surprise, but not necessarily a welcome surprise. Um, just because I he, I, you know. And he's be, good. He's good, but being the Cardos is not a, an Oscar-worthy no. role for me. Would have loved to have seen like a surprise like Nicolas Cage and Pig oh. nomination here. That my was favorite. honestly one of my favorite ones this year. Um, I knew it was a long shot, but I definitely didn't think Javier Bardem was going to take one of the. I think there being the Ricardos. I, the second I watched this movie, I was like, I don't. I yeah. It just it's it it, it is. I don't. I liked it. I, I think it's a very middle yeah. of the road Sorkin film. Yeah. Um, but nothing about it is really that exceptional. Everyone here is doing good work, but like it's yeah. not a film where you're like, whoa, uh, yeah. at any point in the movie. For sure. So, yeah. Um, okay, again, outside, uh, removing Javier Bardem, though, I think it's uh, a great category. I didn't even mention that. You, you said Benedict Cumberbatch. He's awesome. And yeah, he's great. He's, he's, he's he really great. is great. He is terrific film. in it. And it's, and it's a different role for him, for sure. So he's definitely, there's a lot of craft there, for sure. I, th- I just think that Will has that wholesome, like, you know, he's everyone's dad right now. He's just, you yeah. know, he seems... And he and he's enjoying the ride, and he's very you know welcoming and appreciative of all of the accolades at this point. And I think he's you know it's something that he's worked to achieve his whole life. And I think that he's at that sweet spot where I was like, this is the this is the gear. And we should just celebrate Will Smith in general. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, he's great. a great person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, here's the other thing. I mean, Will Smith is still got a couple decades left in him, I'm sure. So I don't want to speak ill. But like Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, they've got. They got a long career ahead of them as well, so I, I'm confident both of them will be back. They'll be back for sure. Let's move on to Best Actress in a Leading Role. So the nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Lauren Chapman, I already know what the answer is here. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but here, tell me, who should win and who will win? Um, I have been a a fan of Kristen Stewart's post uh, Twilight and Snow White and the Huntsman for quite a while now. I think she's been doing some great grassroots indie work for years. She's got a French Oscar, the French equivalent of an Oscar, a Cesar, um, for a, a very underseen movie that I loved. Um, and I think she's one of those under the radar actresses that have. You know, like she's so nuanced in her roles that we it's kind of hard to to pinpoint, you know, like if you're not actively going out and watching, you know, um, her films um, to see what kind of performer she is, where she sticks. Um, But I think that I was so happy to see the buzz around her performance as Princess Diana in Spencer, because it was like for the first time I was hearing people who aren't particularly fans of hers or just haven't really followed her as, as closely as I have over the years saying that, oh, I get it now. I see that I see what she's capable of. And now I'm seeing all of that craft on display here. This is the the role. And I think that she's fantastic in it. Um and up until the SAG Awards came out, I would have said she was the the unrivaled champion in this category. 
um, but she was omitted from that, and then you know just kind of not even nominated, not even nominated. You know, didn't get uh, surprisingly didn't win the Critics Choice Award, which is the only one that I would have expected her to win of the ones she was represented in. Um, didn't get it there, you know. So this is such a wonky category now because. You know, there was a narrative where Nicole Kidman was going to be the front runner because I guess she won the Golden Globe, which has never been a good predictor of the best actress necessarily. She didn't even get the the boost from the televised Globe because they weren't televised this year. Exactly. And so it was very strange that 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 narrative was happening because even after seeing the movie, I was like the surprise of being the Ricardos is that Kidman actually wasn't bad as Lucy. Um, for me, that was the surprise, you know, it's like, but she's Nicole Kidman. I knew she'd do good work. She'd do, you know, put in the time and everything, but it still doesn't feel like the kind of performance that, you know, that garners, that's the crowning second achievement of her career, you know? And so, um, and then I thought that the Tammy Faye, Jessica Chastain narrative was, had kind of withered away because the film itself wasn't too well received, you know? So it's, she's kind of having a last minute um what is it a uh, Meryl Streep and the Iron Lady kind of vibe where people weren't warm on the movie but like the performance in it um so her winning critics choice and the sag says something about you know um the momentum around her so this is a this is a tough category it's just like it's really anyone's game but at the same time i think if you're a betting person i would say Justine has the most accolades at this point so you know, I would say that that would probably be the the one that will win this category. But I want to live in a universe where I can say Academy Award winner Kristen Stewart for all the haters that hated her all these years. So, listen, and we talked about this on the Batman review. Listeners can check that out on an earlier episode. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson both basically took the fame they got and the clout they got from huge blockbuster of the Twilight Saga. And said, what if I actually went and worked with some of the most talented auteurs in the world for a long time? And they both did that, and they're both remarkably talented. I think Kristen Stewart is great in Spencer. I think Spencer is a really interesting film. Not my favorite, but I also don't hate it. Kristen Stewart, though, is incredible. I mean, just owns the scene, embodies the character, while also sort of providing this like mystique uh, about... It's a tough role. Because she's not playing the real version of Princess Diana. She's playing a sort of like idea of Diana Mm. in a fictitious story about that character. And I think Kristen Stewart nails it. I also think Olivia Colman is a a favorite of the Academy. They love to award her. She's always great. She turns in good work. I think she could be a dark horse here. But frankly, Jessica Chastain seems like the front runner. I always lean toward who gave... Who did the SAG go to in this case? Chastain. It is really weird, though, I, like you said, uh, the fact that The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I, I saw the film, was a very, it was fine. It was fine. It felt like a movie that would probably would have been a huge Oscar hit like 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. That came out today. Chastain's really good in it. I never, it's funny. I was watching this, I watched it before the awards buzz came out, and I never once thought best actress performance, you know, but uh, hey. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I think Jessica Chastain is the most likely winner. She's also uh, an actress I want to see take home the gold for her career. So that's great. Yeah. It just seems like a weird role for it. So I think she's got it. Yeah. Should win Kristen Stewart or Olivia Colman, though, would be my picks for if, if I could uh, make a selection myself. Okay. Also, just nice to see Penelope Cruz here. 
wouldn't be it's a surprising nomination in a in a really good Pedro Almodovar film. Um, so just like uh, Jesse Clemens and I mean and um, Jesse Clemens and um, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem that's get to right. have a good date night too. They're both nominated. <laughs> Power time. couples, man, that's the cool story. <laughs> too bad it's almost certain that the, maybe I mean, none of them will win. None of them will win. <laughs> it would be incredible though if they both. <laughs> yeah. One of the couples both won their awards. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived at best picture, and wow, I gotta say we we mentioned this at the top of the show, but overall. I'm pretty happy with this group of winners. There's only one of them that I'm like, hmm. And that happens to be a movie I like more than a lot of people, but still, hmm. Yeah. Um, so the nominees are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up. That's the with the hmm next to it. <laughs> Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Uh, so, Laurent, yeah, just go ahead. Take it away. Uh, give me your thoughts on these nominees in general, and then tell me, come back with who you think should win and who will win. I like to say, for the record, I don't hate Don't Look Up. I think it's perfectly entertaining. Um, a good one-watch movie for me. Um, I think it's a little overlong and definitely a little is. definitely like not as cohesive and concise with its very obvious idea kind of hits you over the head a million times and kind of becomes redundant. So I don't hate that movie, but I definitely am against it being anywhere near a Best Picture <laughs> nomination. It's rubbing shoulders with Power of the Dog here. So it does that doesn't seem fair to me. There are other films out there. that, that I, If there's one takeaway I have from Don't Look Up being nominated... It is that at least it's spotlighting the very important issue of climate change. And, and that's part of why I'm like, is this why they nominated it? I don't know. I mean, but that that's the silver lining. Otherwise, yeah, it's a weird inclusion. That's where we're at. Um, but that being said, this is a pretty diverse group. I mean, we got we got a Hollywood musical. We got a, a you know, a, a mythic West film. We got, a you know, all these different like another P.T. Anderson, like lighthearted comedy biopics, you know, a sci-fi epic, three-hour um, Japanese, you know, um, indie film. You know, so there's there's a lot here, you know. Um, there's something for everybody, every demographic, whether it's your, you know, kind of your wholesome family fodder or your your artsy, you know, Except prestige for, movie. There's one demographic you're missing, uh, though, Laurent. You're missing your superhero fans. Where, oh, I'm so where, sorry. Where's Spider-Man now? I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Tangent. But, uh, <laughs> but I know, yes, you are. You're spot on. You're, you're spot on. I just had to throw that in. No, absolutely. Well, there, there is still that fan favorite uh, nomination. I think there's still time to vote. I don't know if the voting polls are done. If you really, really think that needs to be represented here, definitely vote for that. Um, but I think, you know, the... The one here for me, I mean, number two on my top ten list this year was Power of the Dog, so it's the closest um, winner for me. Um, and I also think that all of the love that it's been shown with the nominations and this award season, I still feel like there is that this is the front runner in this category. Um, though, as you and I kind of discussed just a little bit before this podcast, that um, Coda has kind of come in you know, in the last minute and just kind of shown a lot of, a lot more love by all these different um, Guild Awards. So, um, and again, like it's saying, even narratives, like when we're talking about how Cody Smith McPhee was kind of the front runner to win in this category, but then Troy's winning every, so it's like maybe 
we weren't right about where all people's love and, and attention was from. And so maybe Coda, there is a world where Coda might be the surprise best picture winner here. And that would be a surprise, you know. So um, I think my preferred choice is still, for sure, The Power of the Dog. I still think it will win. Um, but I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't be completely surprised if there was a, a last-minute Coda Coda bump. So. So, so I'll break it down like this. We haven't done this favorite category, but I'll throw this in here for this, for this specific category. So your should win, would win. Uh, sorry, your should win, will win is Power of the Dog. Dark potential dark horse though yes. uh, is Coda. Yes, we should start doing that. We should start doing doing that dark win. horse. Yeah, yeah, could win. Yeah, one of those. So yeah, this is a, a really tough one for me because, like you said, there's something for everybody. I mean, the, the two that stick out to me that I was less thrilled about were Don't Look Up and Belfast. Again, Belfast is very solid, uh, but as you and I were talking about earlier, it's very safe. I don't think it's really pushing the envelope in any meaningful way. It's a very highly personal story for a, from a beloved filmmaker that I love and respect, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't really think it's meeting that bar personally. You know, it's funny. I was reading on Twitter. Someone said, we have a musical from Steven Spielberg, the first ever, perhaps one of his best films ever made. Uh, we have a Paul Thomas Anderson comedy. We have perhaps the best science fiction film of the last decade, or at least since Mad Max Fury Road in Dune. We have a three-hour-long Japanese drama that is blowing folks away. And what film might come out of nowhere and win? Coda, the film that most closely represents a Disney Channel original movie from the 90s. <laughs> but <laughs> like really well-produced. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of funny when you think about it. Because um, yeah. it does have a lot of like made for TV vibes, but sure. obviously with much higher production value. My should win. Um, you know, my bias is always going to go lean towards genre fair. I have to say, um, I, I love Dune. It's my favorite. I also love nightmare alley. That would be probably my, my number two. And then my number three would probably be West side story. Cause again, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, just Spielberg nailed it. So my, those are my personal top three. Uh, again, so if I'm going to boil it down to my should win, it's going to be Dune. What, uh, will win. I, I'm gonna go ahead and, and place the bet, Laron. Okay. I'm gonna place the bet on Coda because exactly like you said, I all season was thinking, oh, Power and the Dogs got this in the bag, and then at every corner that it was up against Coda at the Guild Awards, it, Coda just took it home, and I I just was surprised because I didn't even though it was nominated in those categories alongside Power mm-hmm. of the Dog, I was like, nah, yeah, Coda's fine. It's not. It's the silent it, it, but deadly. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, so I, I I think Coda might be the one that sweeps in here and takes takes Best Picture. I'm gonna pick place a bet on it that it will win Best Picture. That said, in that scenario, my dark horse could win uh, is Power of the Dog because that's the film up until about a week ago I was all the way. I was saying yeah, this is the one that seems to be the most consistently loved across all the different demographics. It's pushing the envelope in terms of how we think about Westerns, great performances, critical acclaim, all the things. Um, but I think it's going to, I think Coda is going to sweep, uh, sweep it and steal thunder. So should win Dune, uh, will win Coda could win power of the dog. Again, what a great list of films though. Yeah. And, uh, that really talking about diversity and not just in terms of like ethnicity, you know, but just like genres, you know, it really does. Like you said, feel like we've got something for everyone here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Those are our Oscar predictions for the 2022 Academy Awards. It's been a lot of fun, LaRon, doing this with you again this year. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I look forward to um, 
angry react tweeting to you on uh, Twitter and, and through via text um, as the awards come in. So mm, Very nice. Uh, yes, lots of angry texts and tweets coming your way uh, whenever Coda takes best picture, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, before we sign off, Laurent, is there anything else you'd like to add about the Academy Awards that we haven't said already for listeners? Any closing thoughts for us? Do the right thing. Kristen Stewart, give her the Oscar. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'll just say, do the right thing. Give the best director to Denny Villeneuve, even though he's not nominated. Show exactly. up, surprises. That's what we need. Shake it up. Uh, well, Lamont Chapman, where can people find you talking angrily about how disappointed you are with the Oscars? Uh, you, can, you can follow me at my name, Lamont Chapman, on uh, Facebook, or you can follow me on Instagram at Black uh, Movie Black Movie Magic OKC. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and because I just can't, I can't quit Twitter 100%. You can find me tweeting about things uh, there at uh, C Masters Talk. That is letter C Masters Talk. You can find more posts from the Cinematropolis on Twitter at the Cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cinematropolis. Uh, and again, we've got lots of great things going on. We recently talked about the Batman, uh, the biggest film of the year so far, and uh, the second highest grossing film since the pandemic started. So that's pretty cool. Um, we also have some upcoming conversations. We've got everything everywhere all at once coming down the pipe soon. A lot of great movies. I feel like we are about to enter blockbuster season for the first time in a couple of years. And it, it, that's got that's got me really excited. So you can keep up with all of our conversations and essays from uh, friends of the Cinematropolis over at thecinematropolis.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. And we'll catch you again next time. Uh...